SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Now, the uh, 2017 UCI Paracycling Road World Championships finished in Peter Maritzburg yesterday, and uh, H1 hand cyclist Peter Dupria, a world champion again, he is. That's right, after winning silver in the men's time trial on Thursday, he secured South Africa's first gold medal in the road race over the weekend. Fantastic achievement, and I'm delighted to say that the man we know as Super Pete is on the line. Peter, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. No, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Always great chatting with you guys. Oh man, still undefeated in road races. What's it going back three, four years now? I think uh, you must be happy Correct. with your achievements in, in Peter, Peter Maritzburg. Yes, you know. Look, I have to say, being a guy who likes winning, um, it, was, it was a bit <laughs> hard to take that silver only in the time trial, but um, it put a little, bit, a little bit of extra pressure on me to get the gold in the road race. So. You know, it's it's just incredible. You know, absolutely incredible, and it was such an amazing race. I think to watch. You know, so it was live streamed live as well. Also, just I'm just ecstatic at the moment. Well, how do you feel about uh, you know the, the the time trial where where you actually set the time to beat from from the road race where you simply need to beat all the other competitors? Which do you prefer? The road race is where you've been more successful. <laughs> Yeah, look, to be honest, I, I quite like the time trial out of a perspective that you, you are out there and you have to push your body to the limit on your own. Where, you know, in a road race, there's other guys who they go, they, they make you push your body almost. So from that perspective, I do like the time trial, you know, slightly more because it's you and your, your bike and the clock. Um, but the thing about the road race is there is other guys and you do push each other and that's where the real fight is, you know, so, um, you know, in the end, I think that's that's the more coveted one to have, um, you know, and, and to wear the rainbow jersey, and you know. So, I definitely, uh, you know, from that perspective, road race wins, I think. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, you spoke about the pressure, though, of, uh, of winning the gold in the road race after the silver in the time trial, but how, how much pressure did you feel competing on home soil? Yeah, you know, normally I always say I don't really feel too much pressure because I put so much pressure on myself, but... For some reason, look, I think, you know, Ernst van Dijk um, has retired now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in the team, everybody was looking at me to definitely bring home the medals. So there was incredible pressure. Um, you know, the other thing is also I had a, my first child um, uh, four months before this. Um, and um, you know, we struggled for seven years to have a child. So, you know, it's obviously been a different four months and it's hard work and it's tough to keep the focus um, on, on our whole family. You know, so my wife and I, it's always been a team effort. And now, you know, it's amazing to have this kid, but it changes things. So, um, you know, it was very important for me to bring home that gold, you know, to show that, you know, after all the hard work that it's worth it, you know. So, very special victory for me and my wife and, and my kid. Well, indeed, <laughs> and South Africa, for that matter. Indeed, belated uh, congratulations on uh, on your son's arrival. But, I mean, you you also amazingly hold down a day job, and not just any day job. I think you're an actuary, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, and so yeah, and you're a world beater. You 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 have a very important day job, and now you have a very young child. How do you balance it all? How do you reconcile this? Yeah, you know, look, as I say, there's a lot of sacrifices. Um, so people always just think, oh, it's amazing, you do all this stuff, and you know, another world champion again. But there's a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifices. Um, uh, you know, that goes into that. But of course, you know, sponsors, the people I work with, um, allowing me to do this, my wife 
the way we make things work, um, friends and family, you know, all of those things need to be in the right places to make it work. Um, but again, you know, I always say people are my biggest motivator because, you know, if, if one guy comes up to me and says, yes, you've just changed my life or, you know, I put a smile on anybody's face, that absolutely just motivates me to get going again. Um, so, you know, I think it's the whole balance of everything and then, of course, just realizing the impact that you actually have on a daily basis on the people next to you. Um, you know, so it almost feels like a responsibility. So especially where our country is right now, you know, one man can make a difference right where he is. Um, you must just, it starts within yourself. You know, so. I just, I find it amazing sometimes just how incredible you are and the way you're always pushing yourself. But I mean, if I had to run through your achievements, we'd run out of time on this, on this show. But I mean, <laughs> you know, you're a successful wheelchair racer. You're a world champion, world record-breaking hand cyclist. You're a, uh, the first quadriplegic person to swim to Robben Island. You, you're a triathlete. You were the first quadriplegic, in fact, to complete the able-bodied Ironman. Uh, how do you constantly find that motivation to achieve further goals? <laughs> Look, I must uh, I always say I need to discover good management, which is my wife on bottles, <laughs> <laughs> and especially now as a kid, definitely. But, um, you know, as I say, for, you know, first of all, I'm a man of faith, and I think this, this is the path I was destined to, to go on. Um, but again, you know, the, the, when I see the impact I have, um, you know, not from a sport perspective, but a lot of guys with my level of disability are not independent at all, and they don't live a quality life. Um, they don't rest themselves, those things. Then I go and do an Ironman, and I've had guys that contact me and say, look, I'm not going to go out and do an Ironman, but if you can do an Ironman, I can rest myself. How can you help me? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just for me realizing the impact you can have on someone's life and how you can change somebody's life for the complete better. Um and, you know, I think that really drives me um, and inspires me to keep going and doing what I'm doing, you know, and, and I think that's why, why I keep challenging myself with all these impossible things. Okay, let's get back to the hand cycling for a moment. I, I, there is something that always goes through my mind. I mean, I find it difficult enough to, to, to climb hills uh, with, with, with two strong legs. How difficult is it to do the climbs with, with basically just the energy from your hands? Yeah, look, I mean, so first of all, I'm a quad, so I don't even have my tricep function. Um, Everything I do is literally my biceps and my shoulders. Um, So it's hard. And now, you know, our bikes are slightly heavier as well. So it's it's, um, the extra weight and, you know, using only 15% of of muscle function, basically. So, you know, it's hard. Um, But again, you know, anything in life, if you train for it, um, you get used to it and, and you keep going, you know. So... Um, but hills, for sure, for us especially, it, it is ridiculously hard. Um, but again, on the downhills, you have a lot of fun, you know, so, you know, in the end it balances out. But, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard work. Okay, it is hard work. And, of course, uh, you've got your management consultant, uh, your wife, as you've noted, already alongside. But, you know, I, you know with, with all these changes in your life and the fact that you have succeeded, you've done pretty much everything there is to do in, in your specific sport, you know, you're 37 as well, and I hate asking athletes whether they're considering retirement, but how long do you feel you are going to compete for? You know, I've got a problem with my eyesight, a degenerative disease, so um, it's actually affecting me quite badly already. Um, so, you know, I don't think I, I will be able to do this um, from an eyesight perspective for, for too long in the future. So because of that, 
I just gun it as hard as I can while I still can and have my eyesight in a way where I can independently do it. Um, so, um, you know, if you ask me how long, my odds would be as long as I can um, for, for this moment. But, um, you know, my kid, I think when he, when he gets to primary school, I'll definitely take, take a little bit of a dampen and take it easier. Um, you know, so I think for the next three, four years, I'm still going to chase down. I've got a couple of big dreams that I still want to do. You know, I want to try test my yes. waters at the English Channel and, um, uh, you know, I still want to break the world record in the marathon. So there's, there's big dreams, you know. <laughs> okay, the English Channel and the world record in the marathon. What, what is next, though, for you? What are you focusing on, on, on after this? Well, right now, this morning, I was back in training. Um, I've got Berlin Marathon coming up um, in three weeks' time. And I've won it for the last five years in a row. Um, so that's, that's obviously big on my, my game. And then there's another marathon in Japan in, end of October. And, you know, both of those are really, it's fast courses. So again, you know, if the day is good and I'm good, I'm going to chase down that record. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, and then, you know, end of the year, I'll probably do a half Ironman and see how fast I can, can get it. Um, you know, the plan is to, to maybe do the full Ironman, the ISA Ironman next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these are the short term right now is the two marathons and I'm really focused on them. Uh, a little bit longer term, though, uh, you, you know, you, you're looking at least another few years. Is, is Tokyo 2020 in your sights? That's a tough one to answer right now because I just got the, um, the medal events. And, uh, you know, I cannot tell you the politics and discrimination against my class, which I'm going to have to fight now um, as, as a leader in our class in the world. But um, our, our class is not on the medal list once uh. again. We were on there for Rio uh, and less than a year before because of some admin issue that took us off and currently we're not on there. So I really think, you know, they, they you know, it's discrimination and it's sad. They, they're really missing a good show, to be honest. Um, and especially for our class, I think it's so important to have some sort of endurance event at least at Paralympics, but there's none. Um, so, so it's sad, but, um, you know, if, if I can manage to find a way in our class and the people all in all the different countries can find a way to open it up, uh, we will, and, and I will be working towards that, but um, we'll have to wait and see, unfortunately. Now, Peter, on a personal note, I, I know a lot of people that go out for a cycle to relax a little bit, and uh, people that go and play a little bit of sport to relax a little bit, but you, you do this uh, as, as, as much as you do work for a living. Uh, how do you relax? How, what, what's your uh, relaxation method of choice? <laughs> Look, I must be honest, um, you know, I do enjoy my sport a hell of a lot, um, so... Sometimes on an easy session, it's a relaxing thing for me. But other than sport, um, you know, we've got a border cooler and I've got my kid now and my wife and I love going, you know, and walking and, and just spending time together. Um, but, I mean, right now I must say, you know, spending time with my kid as much as I can, it's just, it's, you know, it's amazing. You know, it's just incredible. So, um, you know, that's pretty much what we would do is just spend time together, you know, go into the nature and, and just enjoy ourselves. Oh, well, it's, uh, it sounds like it really has changed your life in, in so many ways, and uh, you're loving every moment of being, uh, being a father. Uh, but, uh, Peter, again, congratulations on being a world champion. You really are an inspiration, and you are an ambassador for so many. Keep on fighting the good fight, and once again, congratulations on that gold medal over the weekend. Thanks so much, and I really appreciate the support, um, you know, and not just from you guys, from, you know, the, the guys came out to be Marysburg, and the organization was brilliant, and um, I just thanks to South Africa and everybody who supported us. It was incredible. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. SAFM Sports Wrap. 
Yes, sir. Perhaps South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk football now. South Africa hosting Cape Verde in the Group D match of the 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifiers. That's going to be in Durban tomorrow evening. Kickoff at 7 o'clock. Uh, welcome on the line, though. Football analyst Neil Gregg will take us through not only the match coming up, but indeed the match that was, that is being much spoken about. Oh, coffee shops over the weekend, busy with conversations about South Africa's loss to Cape Verde. Neil, thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening. Hey, Dwayne, good to talk to you again and all the listeners. Right, uh, it is good to chat to you again, but, uh, yeah, you know, there, there, there were people chatting over the weekend at coffee shops all around Johannesburg and uh, all around Cape mm. Town and all around uh, pretty much everywhere in the country. How did Bafana Bafana, yep. a population of around 60 million, lose to a, a country whose population is 500,000? Yeah, look, I mean, I was there, I think, a decade ago when we went to play Cape Verde the first time. Funnily enough, Baxter was, Stuart Baxter was the coach then as well. I think it was about 2007, so it was between five, 2005 and 2007, it was roughly that time. And um, we beat them, but it was no walk in the park, eh? And you could see the Portuguese influence on that team. Um, they could play. But again, uh, Cape Verde 10 years ago versus Cape Verde today is a different team. I'm not making excuses, but... They have grown on, an, on the African continent. They've made it to AFCON finals tournaments, and they've definitely grown. But that said, uh, we should have grown as well. <laughs> so yep. Bafana Bafana, 10 years ago, beating Cape Verde, even with the scale of their growth over the last decade, where's our growth? And I think that concerns me more than, than the one-off game of who we lost to. My point is um, South Africa right now as a football nation shouldn't be losing to many uh, in the, on our continent. If we had grown anywhere since 96 and kept the upward curve, uh, I do believe that we, with all our facilities and our resources, we, sh- we shouldn't be losing these games. And uh, so I've, I've shared the opinion of most fans uh, in the country. Yeah. It's not good enough. It really isn't good enough. Uh, but yes, it can happen in a one-sort game. We know that uh, yeah. African teams on the rise. All of them are on the rise. Yeah, but uh, it's it's all more disappointing when you consider that they uh, they thrashed Nigeria in the, at the start of the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers for 2019, and uh, Nigeria, uh, in response, has of course gone demolished the <laughs> Cameroonians <laughs> by four goals to nil, who uh, yeah. are the reigning African champions. But but you know, while we talk about the general things surrounding that, that loss, how do you reflect on the the individuals in that match in prior? Did you see the commitment and ambition that we heard all about, and did you see any of that? Fight that, that I certainly saw in, in Nigeria, for example. Well, something seemed to be missing, Edwin. Maybe, maybe it's uh, Stuart. You know, Stuart's obviously come in. It's a new coach. He's finding, I wouldn't say finding his way. Like, uh, obviously, we all know a very organized uh, coach. He has his structures. He knows uh, how to get uh, what he wants out of a team. Uh, I'd like to see the combination just settle a little bit and give us a, give us a bit of time to see uh, what Baxter wants to imprint on the team. Obviously, he's got a few players that he prefers over what was in the previous uh, group. But I, I certainly feel like there's something lacking from, you know, some of our bigger players, some of our better players. Um, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing performances all around. Okay, now we hear from Stuart Baxter that uh, Tulani Serrero is going to be available today. Unfortunately, uh, Mulamunda Mato is not going to be available owing to his, uh, his red card. We'll get your comments on that in a moment. But uh, how, how significant is, is somebody like Serrero coming back potentially into the starting lineup for, for a game that we uh, that go into off the back of a loss? Yeah, no doubt a key player. I mean, it's, it's just unfortunate that a lot of our guys that have, uh, some, well, our best players that have gone to Europe have not always had the most consistent run. 
at club level. And so, you know, you want your form players, whether they're playing club level in South Africa or in Europe or wherever in the world, you want players that are both talented and able to play at, at international level. They have the, the attitude, the, the ability, but also they need to be playing regular uh, league football. And unfortunately, the guy's talented as Serrero has not had if you went back for the past five to, to eight seasons and counted consistency of, of games and 19-minute games, not enough for a player as talented as him. So, yes, we want him back in our, in our setup because he's greatly talented. These things all work against us when it comes to the national team, you know. Uh, all these all these elements of, of, of players not playing consistently or struggling in Europe or maybe in South Africa lacking form, but we've often selected players based on ability or pedigree or uh, history and it's not always been the the ultimate uh, team selected uh, on form and on merit and that, that also holds us back but we all want to see Ferreira back in the mix and I do think that he can add something to us that was missing on the weekend. Okay, let's talk about the uh, defensive situation because uh, I always get concerned when uh, when when, when Kuhn is not in goal. I think he's our genuine world-class goalkeeper. I do feel there are others that could do the job but I, I, I'll be honest, I was a little concerned about Ronan Williams. Not because I don't think he's a good goalkeeper. I just think he is the unluckiest goalkeeper at international level. Every deflection, every own goal, everything in, in Bafana Bafana recent history, he's been in goal when it sort of happened. I mean, and, and he's conceded regularly because of these things. And, and that concerns me. So, I, again, I was not surprised to see two goals conceded. What do we do in the goalkeeping department? Is there an argument to bring in, say, Sandilands, considering Kune and Kito are unavailable? Uh, and, and the Matoa situation, who do you play at centre-back, considering he's suspended following his red card? It's very difficult. I think we've been well short on defenders for a while. I mean, Morgan Gold coming back after the kind of Injuries he had, no Achilles tendon. Twice. Uh, not <laughs> once, but twice. I mean, some guys don't ever play again after rupturing an Achilles. You're actually never the same player from yeah. a agility and pace point of view. It really does hit you. So to see Morgan back, I understand what he can bring. Um, but I think that what it actually shows is a lack of quality center backs. And I say this with respect to Morgan, but there should be more coming through. So who do you play? I, I don't know. I don't know who's the best bet. Even, even Tower hasn't been uh, fantastic and at his best. So he, he worried me prior to this game, you know. So it's a difficult one. I don't know what to do. And, and, but I think, as you said, even more important is, is Kune's role. And I think we, besides being a great shot stopper he is, I think his organization and the confidence he brings is an extra defender in that unit and a very, very good one at this level of the game. So uh, I feel for Ronwin because he's a quality young goalkeeper. He deserves to be there from an ability point of view. But, you know, it's a, it's a confidence thing as well. If you've had this, this difficult run and you just get criticized from day one for your mistakes, which the South African public largely have done uh, towards him, uh, and also you're also living in the shadow of someone like Kuna, you really need to be mentally, it's, it's a mental thing for Ronwin. Uh, does he have the mentality to play again and come through again um, or not? Uh, he's definitely got the talent. But I... Uh, do have a question mark around the mental strength to actually come through as a top international keeper. I don't know if he can, I don't know if he will, um, but he's certainly been up against it from a South African public point of view and just the critics that have come his way. Yeah, excellent points, Neil Gregg. Uh, time against us, unfortunately, but thank you very much for your insights and opinions and uh, enjoy tomorrow night's match. Can't wait, Brian. You guys too. Let's hope for a win. We desperately, desperately need it and a good, comfortable 3-0 victory as well.
Yeah, yeah. I should say, let's, let's hope for a win and a goalless draw between <laughs> Senegal and Burkina Faso. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Thank you, please, Neil Greg. <laughs> Go well, guys. Have a good night.